You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Now on today's show, I will discuss Kyle Schwarber. We've seen linked to the Mets over the last couple of weeks. A lot of people fantasizing about him in the middle of the lineup as the Mets DH. Does this fit make sense, though? In the first segment, I'm going to detail Kyle Schwarber's path to free agency. In the second segment, I'm going to talk about the reported list of suitors and how much money he could command in free agency. And then lastly, in the final segment, I will discuss whether the Mets are a good fit for Kyle Schwarber or if Robinson Cano gets in the way of the Mets realistically entering these discussions. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Fickelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. You can also find some of my writing about the Mets at JustBaseball.com, where I actually sort of free agent profile on Kyle Schwarber, talking about a lot of these things. Now, before we talk about Kyle Schwarber and how he relates to the Mets, I just want to go through his numbers and what it took for him to get to free agency, because this is one of the more interesting players on the market. Last season, he was awesome, right? He had 291, 435 on base percentage, 522 slugging percentage, 32 home runs, 51 extra base hits, 71 RBIs, 76 runs scored. He struck out 27% of the time, but walked 13.6% of the time. Had a 145 WRC+. plus. Now, again, for those of you who don't know, WRC+, plus is weighted runs created plus, measuring hitters based on a league average of 100. So Kyle Schwarber was 45% better than your league average hitter. His expected or his weighted uh, on base average was 392. That's very good. And he had a 3.1 F4. You look at the defense, not the best defensive player, a minus six outs above average in left field, minus four outs above average at first base, minus five defensive runs saved in left field, minus three defensive runs saved at first base. But it's all about the bat with Kyle Schwarber. He is one of the few premium sluggers left on the market. You have Freddie Freeman, the only other left-handed slugger that can bring impact better than Kyle Schwarber. You have Anthony Rizzo, who fits that left-handed slugger bill as well. Then you have all the right-handed guys and Carlos Correa and Trevor Story and Chris Bryan, Nick Castellanos. Schwarber belongs in this class after the year he just had, but he doesn't have the same track record as some of these other free agents, so he might not make the same amount of money. He might not get that nine-figure deal. And for him, if you're just looking at his prospects now compared to where they were a year ago, I mean, he's sitting pretty because a year ago he got non-tendered by the Cubs, which as I went through his numbers, it was still a shocking decision for a team that had this guy as a homegrown talent who the fans loved to just cut him because they didn't want to pay him his arbitration number. You're talking about a down year in 2020 that they responded to where he only hit 188, 308 on base percentage, 393 slugging percentage. But that was a 59-game sample. This guy had such an interesting career with the Cubs, and he was always a solid home run threat, if nothing else. So you look at what he did throughout his career, and 
He gets drafted in 2014 in the first round as a catcher at the time, but it was really all about the bat coming out of the University of Indiana. He plays 69 games the following season, just about a year and a week after he got drafted. He's in the big leagues at 22 years old, played some left, played some catcher, hits 246, 355 on base, 487 slugging, 16 home runs in those 69 games, and a 131 WRC plus, so 31% better than your league average hitter. In the playoffs, he's great as well. He hits five home runs, which broke Miguel Cabrera's record for the most ever in a single postseason by a hitter 22 years or younger, and he helps the Cubs make it all the way to the NLCS, where, of course, they were swept by the Mets, but he was still able to set that record. Then the following season, you look at who the Cubs were supposed to be with Javi Baez and Chris Bryant and Kyle Schwarber and this young team that was just ready to pop off with Anthony Rizzo and everything else. They actually lose Schwarber two games into that season as he blows out his knee in a collision with Dexter Fowler. So you don't see Schwarber. You think he's done. Well, get to the World Series, and we all remember he miraculously returned and in Game 1 of the World Series became the first player in MLB history to record his first hit of the season in the World Series where he hit a double in the fourth inning. For that in World Series, he hit 7 for 17, three walks, two RBIs, and a stolen base. So he was great in the playoffs that year. Once healthy, he became the Cubs' starting left fielder in 2017. If you look at the numbers from 2017 through 2020, he hit 229, a 334 on base percentage, a 480 slugging percentage, which was good for a 110 WRC plus. So only 10% better than your league average hitter. That's why he got non-tender because he was just slightly above average offensively for those four years while being a poor defender. But you look at the team as a whole, and it was built around him, Bryant, Rizzo, and Baez. He was fourth behind all those guys in WRC plus and F4, but he led the team in home runs during that four-year span, hitting 105 blasts. They decide to non-tender him. He goes on to have this miraculous season with the Nationals where you know he was the big catalyst in a push where they ended up you know atop the division or right with the Mets in the middle parts of the season. You talk about a stretch that started on June 13th where he had a two-run homer against the San Francisco Giants or had a two-home run game, excuse me. He then goes on this span where he hits 15 home runs in 17 games. The Nationals go 14-3 and three during that stretch. They might have been contenders if he didn't get hurt, but he ends up on the I.L. with a hamstring strain. They fall out of the race. That allows them to go into this rebuild. They trade Schwarber. He goes to the Red Sox. He's great there as well. He was an all-star in the National League before the trade. Ends up on this Red Sox team in a playoff push, and he hit 291 with a 435 on base percentage, a 522 slugging percentage, with a robust 161 WRC+. plus, So just great numbers across the board there for Kyle Schwarber. If you look at what he did in 2021 as a whole, he was in the 89th percentile or better in average exit velocity, max exit velocity, expected WOBA, expected slugging, barrel percentage, walk percentage, and chase rate. Bottom line, one of the best hitters in baseball this past season which of course is going to attract a lot of teams who are interested in him. There's been four that have been reported. There are a lot of Mets fans who want to connect Schwarber to the Mets as well. We'll discuss that more in just a minute. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. And if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. 
Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, making it so much easier to stick to your resolution because these Built Bars taste so good. They come covered in 100% chocolate, unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky, waxy, or taste like a chemical spill. These are snacks you're going to want to eat. They got so many delicious flavors to choose from, whether it's the coconut almond bar, peanut butter brownie, raspberry cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many more. Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors. So check out built.com often to see what's new. If you want to try Built Bar today, go to built.com. Make sure you use the promo code LOCK15 and you're going to get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. December, it was reported that Kyle Schwarber was seeking a three-year $60 million deal, and this was reported by Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald as the Marlins had serious interest in signing him. In fact, at the time, we heard four teams that were interested in signing him. You had the Marlins, the Rockies, which were surprising, the Phillies, and the Red Sox, who, of course, he finished the last season with. Now, if you just look at those teams, to me, there's a couple that make a little more sense than some others. So we'll start with the Rockies. Now, they could get in the mix here. They could pay a premium. They've done it in the past to acquire free agents like Ian Desmond, where they'll just come in with an offer that's better than anyone else, and the player signs there, and hey, you can see a good hitter like Schwarber hitting Coors Field for 81 games a year. And that would be awesome for that fan base, but it's just a boring fit for getting Kyle Schwarber in the games that matter at the end of the season, right? So let's just, just take them off the board for now. You look at the Red Sox, an interesting team, although it seemed like Schwarber might be pushing to go back to the National League with some of the other teams that were reported to be interested in him. Not sure what to read into that, but we'll see what happens there. I do think that Schwarber does make a lot of sense to go back to Boston. He could play first base again. Uh, he's not great at the position, but as far as being an offensive option, a better hitter than Bobby Dahlbeck or Christian Arroyo. So maybe that is a good fit. You have the Marlins and the Phillies, two teams in the NL East. Now for the Phillies, makes a lot of sense, right? I think for the Marlins, you're almost making a similar argument. But with the Marlins, it's because they have just all of this pitching and you're trying to scratch together some offense. For the Phillies, you're trying to build an offensive juggernaut and Schwarber is maybe that missing piece to pair with Bryce Harper and JT Real Muto and Gene Segura and Reese Hoskins. That is a really potent lineup. They'll try to once again cobble together a team here. They do have Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola. So that would be how the Phillies might try to get back into this division race. For the Marlins, they just went out and acquired a lot of interesting pieces. I really like what the Marlins did to be at least competitive this year. They get Avisel Garcia as an outfielder who... You know, might not be an all-star, but he's going to be a solid above-average contributor for them. They have Joey Wendell that they traded for. That's going to be a really nice piece that can play third base, can play second base. They can really mix them and match them all over the place, a super utility-type guy that provides really good offense. And then you also traded for Jacob Stallings, the gold glove winner this past year, the catcher from the Pirates. He is going to be great guiding that young pitching staff. Now you bring in Kyle Schwarber, who could be your best offensive piece to pair with Wendell, Garcia, Jazz Chisholm. And suddenly that's a team 
that starts to make sense with all the young pitching. When I wrote the free agent profile for just baseball, I wanted to add a fifth team in there that he could land that. And while they haven't been reported to be interested, I really like the Cleveland Guardians as a fit for Schwarber. A couple of years ago in 2017, they signed Edwin and Carcion to a three-year $60 million deal, giving them some offense to pair with Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez. And it was a really nice signing for them. He had 70 home runs over the first two years of that deal and then traded him before the final year as he was set to make the last bit of money. Plus, there was a fourth-year option on that contract with the buyout. So they got out of paying that buyout. They got out of that money in the end. I could see them signing Schwarber to a similar contract right now, if not the exact same contract, because he can go out there, get paired with Jose Ramirez and Fran Mil Reyes and form a good enough lineup that they can win games with their great pitching. And what we saw at the Nationals this past year, when you had Trey Turner, Juan Soto, and Schwarber, with three guys, they were able to manufacture enough runs to win games. So I think that's what teams like the Guardians and the Marlins could look to do by signing Schwarber. For the New York Mets, you're talking about maybe that last piece in the puzzle, but you know there's going to be a lot of competition to get at bats with the Mets. And I do think if they sign Schwarber, he would be an everyday player. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know if this is the cleanest of fits. And because it's not the cleanest of fits, because of other players that are on the roster, even though I see a lot of people pushing for this and I look at his numbers and as a hitter, I'm all in on Kyle Schwarber. He could be a really great bat that could add a ton of pop, give you another home run threat along with Pete Alonso in the middle of that lineup. I don't know if this makes sense on paper when you're talking about what, to, what else is on this roster, and that's what I'm going to discuss more in just a minute. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year, new updated desktop and mobile website. So sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit just by using the promo code Locked On. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. So as we talk about this idea of Kyle Schwarber getting signed by the Mets to be their DH, there is one big roadblock in the way, and that is Robinson Cano and to a certain extent, Dominic Smith. Now, Robinson Cano is literally serving the exact function you would be signing Kyle Schwarber to perform on this roster uh, in cost and production. You got Cano who's going to be making $20.25 which is right in line with what Schwarber is expected to get. So there is the money on your books right now that could be going to get this guy. You already have it locked up in a player that you wish you didn't have in Robinson Cano. But does that mean that Cano can't be an impactful hitter for the Mets in 2022? Because I've talked about this in the past. I actually think Cano might be good for the Mets next year. I know that sounds crazy on the surface, but I'll go to one of my favorite stats that I pulled some point at the end of last season, which was that Robinson Cano in 2019 in the worst year of his career, where he dealt with a ton of different injuries, especially hand injuries that really did impact his season. He played through a lot of them where he just never quite looked right. And when he did look right and look comfortable down the stretch, 
He really started to hit for the Mets in 2019. That down year, Robinson Cotto had more extra base hits than anybody on the Mets roster in 2021 outside of Pete Alonso. That's how good he was, even in a bad year, when it comes to hitting for power still and being a productive cog in your lineup. With the universal DH, you can now get Cano off his feet for 100 games, have him DH, play a little bit of second base, a little bit of third base, and you might be able to keep him fresh. And I'm not sure that his bat is is done. I, I think there might still be a little bit left in the tank for him offensively. And when you're talking about cutting him for nothing or getting some value for that money, I do think you have to lean more towards keeping Cano and having him play a role in this Mets team. Now, should that alone stop you from signing Kyle Schwarber? Not necessarily, because you can still get Schwarber in here. He can still take some at-bats in the outfield at first base and at DH. You can mix guys up. There's always guys getting hurt. Cano can fill in when needed, and Schwarber can be your primary DH, and Cano can be a bat off the bench. That's still a possibility. But then we get into the function on this roster, and I've talked about this in the past. Right now, if you look at the team as presently constructed, assuming Jeff McNeil is your starting second baseman, Eduardo Escobar third, we know you got Lindor and Alonso, then you have Canna, Nimmo, and Marte in the outfield with James McCann behind the plate and Nito as his backup. You look at your bench, which would have Nito, right now, Dom, J.D., Cano, and then you're left with needing a backup shortstop. That's where Giorme comes into play. That's a full team. So you're going to have to subtract to add. And if you add Kyle Schwarber, you're adding yet another player who doesn't help you at all defensively. Now, that's not the biggest of problems if you didn't already have J.D. Davis, Dominic Smith, and Robinson Cano in this roster. That's a problem. You need to have guys that can play both ways a little bit more. You also need to be able to have a roster that can function where if somebody goes down, you have you know really ideal fits that can slide in. So I look at Dominic Smith even, and his function on the roster is exactly what Shorber could provide. Someone who can play out in left field, can play first base, left-handed bat with some pop. Now, Schwarber's way better than Dominic Smith. He also costs a lot more, though. So you have to factor that in. What do you do? Because you could just roll out Dominic Smith and Robinson Cano for about the same money as Schwarber and preserve your future financial flexibility. But also, you know, you could make other moves with that money that you would spend on Schwarber, you can sign a couple bullpen arms. You can bring in a starting pitcher because you're not going to get off of Cano's contract. So financially, you know, unless it just doesn't matter, which it might not with Steve Cohen, these are all things you have to consider. I think the Mets are going to have to trade one of GD Davis or Dominic Smith to clear up a roster spot for sure. I think that has to be done because you might want to leave room for a Nick Plummer or Khalili to make this team as a legitimate fourth outfielder. You might want to leave room for Mark Vientos in a couple of weeks into the season, a couple of months into the season to maybe break through. And so I think trading JD would accomplish that if not trading both of them. But even with that, I don't know if Schwarber is the best fit because Cano is still on the roster. I think there might be some other moves that can be made that might fit a little bit better than Kyle Schwarber. So all this is interesting. I do think if you're just going to talk about winning it all, though, in 2022, if the Mets decide to sign Kyle Schwerber, that would give you another home run threat in the lineup. So I would not hate it. I just think considering everything that already exists, considering some of the other needs the Mets still have, 
I just don't know if you're necessarily addressing a need other than upgrading something you already have. And maybe the Mets might want to bank on the options that they have and try to improve in another way if that's addressing their pitching or if that is getting somebody who maybe fits the team a little bit more, somebody who maybe defensively can play the outfield and the infield well, can cover up for more people. If they are going to move Jeff McNeil, Kyle Schwarber does not really replace what he brings to the roster either. You're going to have to find somebody else that can be that super utility guy. So again, it just gets into the function of the roster. And I don't know what function Schwarber serves other than being a great home run threat. And that alone could be enough where you just sign them and figure it all out later. But anyway, that's going to be all for today's edition of Locked On Mets. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show at Locked On Mets. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Now for your second listen, check out Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day by following Locked On Bets wherever you get podcasts.